Hey everybody, I wanna give you a gift before we dive in. If you're at the beginning of your content marketing journey or if you've been doing it a while but it's not working as well as you want and you feel like something is missing, I wanna give you a roadmap to help you get more ROI out of your content. This is my blog remix method and it's a shortcut to go from one blog to dozens of pieces of content in less than 60 minutes. Even if you have webinars, podcasts, and video content, you can take the transcripts and follow the guidelines in the exact same way. It's a great resource. It's free. You should have it. If you haven't downloaded it already, grab it right now at justinsimon.co slash remix. If you're listening to this podcast feed, you can click the link right below and download it. Get it, read it, apply it. It takes you step-by-step step to get more value out of your blog content and get it in front of your audience. So grab the guide, get a blog, and get it running. That's my blog remix method, and it's free at justinsimon.co slash remix. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, I want to thank my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. You can get unlimited podcast editing and strategy for one flat rate by visiting hatch.fm. All right, let's get in the show. Welcome to Distribution First, the show where we flip content marketing on its head and focus on what happens after you hit publish. Each week I share playbooks, motivations, stories, and strategies to help you repurpose and distribute your content because you deserve to get the most out of everything you create. Everybody, welcome to this episode of Distribution First. I am happy to be joined with Morgan Smith, who is the Managing Director at Aligned and co-host of the B2B Power Hour podcast. That second part is what we're really interested in for this uh, episode. And so to pull behind the curtain back, uh, I've been working with Morgan a little bit as uh, reshaping what the content strategy looks like for them in the podcast. Super fun project. And I thought it'd be fun to have Morgan on just to talk about where the podcast, where their content strategy is at, and kind of how they've evolved their content strategy. I think this is the type of thing that fits whether you're a solo creator, whether you're running a small business of your own, or whether you're working at some big B2B enterprise. I think these type of things uh, can can really hammer home. So, hey, Morgan, thanks for uh, coming on Distribution First. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about what's going on. <laughs> definitely, definitely. It's been cool to both talk to you and then see it getting built in the wild and see how these changes are evolving. So crazy. It's really funny. So I, I told you this before the call, but I was going back and listening to some of the calls we, we had had. And one of the things you said in like the second call we had was like, well, you blew apart our entire content strategy and we're forced to put it back together, which, you know, unfortunately, if you've worked with me both now in the past is kind of how I like to work. I like to tear things down and then build them back up and, yep. and maximize all the good stuff that's going. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to start there and figure out and maybe just give the audience what you were doing, how you were building up your content strategy and what you were doing, kind of give some background there. Yeah. So the B2B Power Hour started as a side project. And I was freelancing at the time. Nick had a full-time job. We came together. We wanted to talk about B2B sales and marketing. And it was a fun show. So we said, well, why, why, let's do a weekly live show. Okay. So Friday mornings for like a year and a half, we were doing Friday morning lives on LinkedIn and then eventually LinkedIn and YouTube, sort of co-streaming there. And 
then in May of 2022, really hit the gas pedal. I think there were a couple of things for us. One was we had spun up Aligned, which is a GTM consultancy, as a result of the show. <laughs> and now we were sort of doing this full time. And we thought, well, what better way to sort of get our name out there than to do a bunch of partnership shows and a bunch of co-pilot plays and invite on a bunch of guests, talk about, you know, whatever's on people's minds, a wide smattering of B2B sales and, and marketing topics. And from May until I'd like to say something like September of 22, I think we were doing somewhere between one and four live shows a week. Now, this is to our benefit. Like, we were full-time content creators, Justin, basically, right? Like, there's no other way to talk about it because all of the prep work and then all of the post work, which I'll mention in a second, we were just full-time content creators. And it was great. I mean, like, a lot came out of it. But also, it was the moment where LinkedIn Live was actually useful. It's much less so today. And so the platform was promoting it really well. And so we got a lot of exposure, built a lot of relationships. And then from September through, well, earlier this year, we sort of dialed it back to like a weekly live and some podcast conversations. And so what we had been doing sort of historically was we had this weekly live show that got repurposed into a podcast episode that somebody could listen to after the fact. And then we sort of insert in some podcast only conversations. You know, Nick would do an hour long interview with somebody, I would do an hour long interview with somebody, and then we would have the weekly live and we sort of built up this backlog through middle of last year where we were releasing like three episodes a week because this is what we were able to do, right? <laughs> and then once we got, instead of doing the podcast conversations, we said, well, let's just turn them into live shows. And so it was technically the same amount of content creation time for us. It's just, just live now. And so now we had a bunch of these live shows that have compiled into this big library. I think uh, as of today, there's 168 episodes of the show. So this is the before times. <laughs> and basically what we were doing with that content, well, there are two things. One, the live show is a big push for us for community building, awareness, sort of top of funnel work. Being able to invite people to live events is always huge, especially if they're prospects, especially if it's a relevant topic. So there's sort of a nice business development fold in there. But on the back end, mostly we were doing, we were taking video clips, we were putting it through like Descript, sort of exporting it out. Descript today is a lot, a lot more mature than it was a year and a half ago. So it's a lot quicker to do what we were doing. Totally what we were at the time. But at the time we were exporting, you know, little one-to-one -one square videos and and then uh, taking some of the ideas that we talked about in the live show and making them into LinkedIn posts, but much beyond like organic LinkedIn content and then podcast episodes, we weren't doing much else with the show because it was sort of this self-contained live show environment for most of its history, which has its pros and cons. And yeah, we got to the end of last year, well, fall of last year, and our consulting business picked up a lot more. And Nick and I realized that we could not be full-time consultants and also full-time content creators. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wanted to get into a little bit was like how those things pick up and how you do that. Because I think that's a really interesting piece that, and we'll get into this with kind of how the strategy shifted, but because most people working at a company, even if you are a 
like me, like running your own consultancy or you running your own consultancy, even though it's kind of co-owned, like doing your own thing. Most people don't have the luxury to be a creator, to be a full-time creator, right? Like if you're working a day job and having to like run a podcast or you're trying to do like, it's extra on top of everything else you're trying to do. And so I'm just curious, like if, if that was the kind of the switch for you to realize like, oh man, like we don't have the time for this. Yeah, basically. I think the the reality really started to settle in when we really shifted up market in who we were working with. Because sort of over the content creation summer, we had a smattering of like small business clients is how I would describe them. And then in the fall, as a result of some new sales process that Nick was running, and then I think also just time in the market, like demand created on behalf of the show, we really started to enter into our ideal clients, which are more mid-market companies. And the burden of deliverability or the time needed (laughs) to work effectively with a mid-market company is a lot more than a small business client, just matter of number of cooks in the kitchen, right? Just, it's just how it is. So I think by the time the fall came around, we were also traveling a lot both for client work and then conferences. And we had this meaty discussion about like, we can't do this pace anymore. Like we're burning out. (laughs) I was burning out, that's for sure. Nick loved the Friday lives, but the guest lives weren't as impactful as they used to be. And the nature of the platform had sort of shifted back. You know, LinkedIn lives were less promoted than they were. So our sort of return on effort was also a lot less Because like over the summer, Justin, we could publish a live show and we get hundreds of people there. Like we didn't have to, like we did some manual invites, but but we got hundreds and hundreds of people there. And then by the time that the fall rolled around and the platform sort of shifted, it required a lot of manual work to either invite them or, you know, combine with a business development effort back into the platform. And so when that was shifting too, we realized this isn't going to work for us. Like (laughs) one, we can't continue to do our jobs with our clients. Also run a marketing engine that requires like at least five hours a week of real attention and both planning, operations, scheduling, guest coordination, actually doing the show. That's probably on the low end. Yeah, I think you probably were like five at like really tight in terms of like lives and like podcast interviews. We basically had an event description template that we sort of riffed on for every show somewhere in the middle of the summer. We just like created it and then just copy pasted it and then just kind of riffed on it. And usually that could go pretty quick. But then, yeah, pre-calls with guests, depending upon the guest. It was a lot of time is the essence of it. And, you know, in all fairness, did we see results from it? Yes, of course we did. Right. But it was I would describe the return on all of that effort was gradually declining, sort of sneakily declining month over month, where we sort of ended 2022 with this realization that yeah, the podcast's really good. We get consistent downloads. We have good exposure. We're having a good time. But it's not generating the sort of attention at a top of funnel that we wanted anymore. And that was where we started to think a little bit differently about the show. And I think like hearing that, those are both very, very common things in terms of like return on effort and burnout. Like those are the two things. Like I felt both of those things in various points of my career, both doing it 
as a solo marketer, doing it as somebody who ran an entire team, you were, you'd think there's plenty of people to be able to handle all this. And, but I think the problem is, and it, it's, I use the term all the time, but like the hamster wheel, like you get on the hamster wheel and you just can't find your way off of it. You're just constantly feeling like you need to keep it going. And I feel like there's probably a point even in your mind where getting off the hamster wheel to like pause and reset is even difficult. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Especially when you're in the thick of it too, right? Because if you think about the schedule we were pursuing into the fall, at any one point, we had five live shows already planned. So, you know, three to five weeks worth of content, basically already scheduled, written, ready to get sent out into the world. We had probably two we were planning And then we had like a backlog of six that we knew we wanted to do at some point because we were trying to be responsible about it. Like there's, we're not going to fly by the seat of our pants to try and, you know, especially some of the guests that we've had. Like you can't just get Josh Braun on a Tuesday. Like that's not going to happen. So like all of the planning, you're in the middle of the hamster wheel. And yeah, I started to ask, can you get off this? Like, I don't know. This seems, there's five weeks of content we've already planned. What do you mean? Like we got to keep on going. (laughs) It was, uh, yeah, too real. Too real. And I think part of it too is, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but it's the idea that the planning is a good thing. Like you all being strategic is a good thing. Like I don't think most teams at their hearts of, you know, want to be sort of this random acts of content and go off and do that. They want to be planned and thought out. I think where people don't always connect the dots is, and I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but how much content do we actually need to be successful doing what we want to do? And that's where I think the big mindset shift is. I I mean, I have a hint for you. It's probably less than 168 episodes of a podcast. Like, um, that's, (laughs) it's a lot of content, folks. And like, in all fairness, So one of the things that happened before you and I really started chatting was I did go through and audit the library. And I think at the time it was like 140 some odd, but we were releasing episodes twice a week. We sort of downshifted to twice a week sometime in the fall of 22. And that's still a lot of content in all fairness. And so I went and audited and tried to figure out like of the existing library, what could we reuse in one way or another? Not all of our live shows were great. Like, again, this is a side project for us. So like the first 40 episodes of the show are not phenomenal. (laughs) They're fine. They're interesting. They're not super great. They're fine. And because we didn't start it, if I had to do this again, sort of hat, I also know a lot more about what I would want out of a show, what I would want the format to be. Like, we didn't have any of those. Literally, it was a public therapy session once a week. Like, that's all it started as. So, you know, the first 40, nothing. And then there's a smattering between 40 and 140 of those next 100 episodes. There's a lot of content in there that we're currently working on reusing and using in different ways. So yeah, I mean, at the very least, I think it's less than 168 episodes, Justin. I I don't think you need that much content to be effective. (laughs) At least over the time period that you had had condensed all that down into. Maybe over a longer time period. Absolutely. Probably. (laughs) One thing I'm curious about, and I actually don't know the answer to this, but what were you doing outside of 
like as far as repurposing or distributing any of that content or was it simply we're doing a live, it gets put in the feed and then sometimes we post about it on LinkedIn? So at a broad level, it would be reposted on YouTube just out of posterity's sake. We got into a pretty good discipline in the middle of 22, but it sort of fell off about clipping out of the script, taking those ideas, repackaging them, and using a video clip as like, hey, you know, this is an idea from my last life sort of thing. And then taking some of the content and reusing it. I mean, a lot of our solo content, like Nick and I, without guests, has been very social selling focused and now increasingly go-to-market focused. And so a lot of the ideas that we would talk about in a live show, like whether you should personalize a connection request, would naturally find themselves in organic content. But in all fairness, a lot of the times writing that organic content was not pulling up a transcript from the live show. It was like, oh, I remember we talked about this. Let me go create a post talking about the same thing. And that has significantly changed in all. Like, we don't have that process anymore. So much beyond that, though, not much. And I think what Nick and I have, we had a lot of ideas, but we sort of ran into the constraint of what time do we even have to sort of execute on this given our content creation schedule, right? Like, there's not a lot of time to take a live show and condense it down to 10 to 12 minutes, right? We could hire a video editor to do that. There's some trade-offs around that. But even if we wanted to take, you know, 12 minutes with a guest and republish it, there's a lot of curation that goes into that. That's at least a couple hours worth of work to sort of figure it out. And yeah, we weren't doing any of that. So we had a lot of ideas, but we weren't executing on them. So I guess, yeah, it's a perfect transition spot to say like, What's changed, right? Like, let's walk through some of that. Like, you know, at the beginning, I blew up a lot of what you were doing, or I I think a lot of that was maybe already there based on our conversations. But like, so how has your strategy changed? What are you doing differently now? What does that look like? I'd love for you to kind of talk through that. Yeah, so it's funny. I think we talked at, at a very opportune time because we were sort of seeing the decline on our return for live shows. We didn't really know what to do about that. The podcast had sort of stagnated. We still have an audience, but it just wasn't growing much more. And we're we're just trying to figure it out. And where we've shifted to is basically the title of the show, (laughs) which is Distribution First. There you go. And mostly to your credit, like to your help thinking through this. So one thing which hasn't been done much in B2B, at least my survey of the landscape, we launched a new library for the show. And you can find it at b2bpowerhour.com. And basically what we did was instead of having sort of like a dedicated podcast website, which some people do, we said, okay, sure, we'll do that. (laughs) And also we're going to have a section of the site we're just calling insights for now, which are basically repurposed takeaways, articles, briefings, all the rest of it from this 168 plus episode library of the show. On the show, you can search and listen to and find descriptions for all of these podcast episodes. And it's organized and categorized. We used Ghost as our publishing platform. And people can have certainly, we've seen both an uptick in traffic and also a lot of our audience is a big fan of being able to go and like kind of scroll through different parts of the site and find an episode maybe they hadn't listened to before. So we're getting some more legs out of the show that way. But then on the insight side, all we're doing is 
Like there's a recent takeaway we had published called Running a Prospecting Power Hour, which is just a short, simple guide for, and part of our audience are SDRs or BDRs or account executives at B2B tech companies. And says, how do you run prospecting? Well, in one of our shows, we talked about running a prospecting power hour. So all we did, I kid you not, we basically pulled the transcript, massaged it, added some graphics, and then restructured the content. That's basically what we did. So there was a stronger narrative format and then published it. And we're continuing to do that more and more. And so a lot of the content from specific episodes are now being repurposed into written content, which we know our audience, or at least a good chunk of our audience is looking for. We went and did some research and asked some people about that. And on top of that, these briefings are being sent out as sort of a bi-monthly newsletter. So one of the last ones was about Sales Navigator being finally useful for research, which is a little more upstream than what we originally conceived it as. There's some original content in there, but a lot of the briefings will also either connect back to existing podcast episodes or will be taking our existing and growing library and then turning them into a particular, what are people talking about in the news? And that's the point of the briefings. So... Let's see here, that's on the written side. On the video side, we're working with a video producer to repurpose the long and many hundreds of hours by this point of podcast <laughs> and live show content into shorts, both for TikTok and YouTube. And a lot of that for us is sort of top of funnel awareness on that platform and less like a, like we actually think of our podcast as a mid funnel vehicle mostly because our episodes are so long, like are much longer than a normal episode. Most of them in the archive are between like 50 minutes, an hour and five minutes, right? Okay. I mean, it's the power hour, baby, right? Like there's... <laughs> <laughs> power for an hour. So if you're going to commit 50 minutes to an episode, you probably like us already. Like that's... So we want to drive people further down towards the podcast and then either this archive or some of our written resources. Some of those are the tactics of this, but I would describe the overall vision or the overall strategy has been, we're releasing one episode a week. We're still creating content, but it's a lot more curated. And remind me to talk about a particular kind of podcast episode we're working on, which is a repurposing thing. But basically, we're really only putting out, like our actual creation effort, like our original ideas level, is basically once a week, usually with a guest, or it's Nick and I, and then we're just taking a transcript from that and the essential ideas and then basically repurposing it down the ladder, right? We have these written articles we're putting out. We have social content that we're able to publish on our personal profiles. We'll take the video clips and repurpose them into YouTube and TikTok. Our primary channels we're thinking of mostly are our YouTube and LinkedIn. And then anything else is sort of mid-funnel in terms of nurturing the audience between the podcast and email and so on. So that's a very long explanation because we we are doing a lot. You blew it up and then you're like, okay, here's some ideas. <laughs> Piece it back together. I think for anybody listening who doesn't have that sort of strategy in place or or is thinking about wanting to start it, you know, what Morgan said there is true. Like the first thing I always suggest is 
the title of the show, creating a distribution first framework, which is thinking about things like your channels ahead of content creation. I remember when we, one of our first conversations, we were talking about like, you were doing these two live shows and they, they you know, which forced you into a particular thing. And I, and I remember I was just like, okay, like if LinkedIn is your main channel and if YouTube's your main channel, you know, you don't have to worry about anything else. Like that's why I love like starting with distribution channels because then everything else you can reverse engineer back to say, oh, okay, if I'm doing LinkedIn, that's one post a day, two max. At most. Which means at most, if I post twice a day, which nobody does, that's 14 posts a week. I can't even, Yeah. then you're multiplying that by over an hour podcast twice a week. Like, you don't have enough distribution in-house to even be able to get that content out. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I think you and I have joked before, and I've joked with other people about this, which is if we never created another piece of content again, we'd be fine because we genuinely have hundreds of hours worth of video content that we could use in various qualities and types. And the limitations of the channel are obviously the most important thing and the thing I think about the most, which is like, I'm not going to send an email newsletter once a day. First of all, I'm not Seth Godin. Secondly, you know, very few people can actually pull that off. And so, okay, twice a month, right? One thing that's actually changed, I haven't told you this. So moving forward in our creation efforts, we've really simplified down to like, it. Technically, the template's like one page. It sort of turns into two pages. Content brief on a particular topic. And it's basically like, what problem does this content solve? What similar resources already exist? How will this add value that the competitive resources don't already address? And then it's a very simple like GAC brief. That's the acronym. But like goals, audience, creative POV, and channels. And then in the channels section, it's basically like, what's the primary piece we're creating, which usually is a podcast episode right now. And then what's the cluster of content we're creating out of that? So I actually have one pulled up here if you wanted me to read this off. Yeah, please share it. That'd be awesome. We're going to be doing a podcast episode on LinkedIn profiles, since this is part of our social selling focus. So the headline idea we're working with right now is 12 common mistakes to avoid on your LinkedIn profile. But then the cluster of content, the distribution pieces that emerge from that are a, which is interesting, a live event so we're sort of doing that after the fact, right? We have these big profile review extravaganzas. People submit their profiles and we do it live. And then and two different articles, a takeaway, an email briefing, and then five LinkedIn posts already. And then a repurposed episode from, you know, already existing content. And this is all in this one brief. And I think the first time I did this, I went, we don't need to create any more content. <laughs> Like it's the first thought was like, wow, we're going to get a lot of legs out of this original piece. And uh, I don't need to really do another thing on LinkedIn profiles in a long time because we're going to be constantly reinvigorating the topic and sort of dripping it out from this core podcast episode that we're creating. And I think that's what, you know, you know, I don't get a ton of pushback on some of the stuff every once in a while, well, especially on the like side of you don't have to create either so much content or you really don't have to create anything brand new if you don't want to, which I think is true for in a lot of cases. There are companies with just gobs and gods of content. But I think the other side of that coin is 
it's not necessarily that you don't have to create anything new. Like you are creating new pieces out of that. You're doing a brand new live extravaganza or this live event that's tied to that topic. But the idea is you don't have to start from scratch. Like it's in the exact same like through line of other content pieces you're making and you know how to tie those things together. That's the piece that I want people to really start to recognize is it's really the second thing that we had talked about a little bit too, which was like theming and and coming up with these core sort of themes for your content to A, gut check what you're creating, but B, you want to ideally be throughout the year stacking on top of those themes so that you're not, A, you're not having to constantly shift your brain into a million things, but neither is your audience. And it just gives you more things to kind of build upon. Whereas typically, if you think about it as a road, You know, you kind of want this four lane highway where you're like all the cars are just constantly going down this highway and maybe you're just adding more cars, which is is your content types. But what most companies do is they rather than just adding more cars and getting this really nice big long line, they add more lanes. Yeah. And you just have this like really thin, like, you know, built out thing with this, you know, a hundred way freeway and I don't know if it's the best analogy, but that's the one that came to my head of like how to build out the frameworks in that way. It's dead on. And I think I'd be interested in your perspective on this. I think the mistake that people think about the lanes is that they have, like for us, we really have two buckets of content. We have account-based prospecting or account-based sales development and then social selling. But within those, there's actually some subtopics, right? And in some ways, they are their own lanes. You know, maybe there's two sides of the highway to use this analogy. And then each subtopic is its own thing. Because when you're doing account-based sales development, you're going to be thinking about sales foundations, right? The fundamentals of it, how to run outbound, uh, how to break into large accounts or buying committees, And even to some degree, like discovery or these discovery skills for account executives. And we have content on each of those things. But there's a huge universe of sales content that sits outside of the umbrella of account-based sales development. And we don't touch it because it's not what we want to talk about. It doesn't drive business. It's not really all that useful for us. It's not a passion. So to your point, one thing that has been liberating also is we really only have two buckets worth of content anymore with some subtopics. And we just kind of continue to, as you say, add more cars to those lanes in each episode, plus everything that gets developed out of it. Yeah, I love that because it helps you stay focused. I'm sure you're more passionate about the things you're doing because you know it's like, A, what you know and what you can talk about and how you can really help your customers. But that other bit you said is so true where it's like, it's not helping move the needle for business which is the ultimate goal at the end of the day with content marketing. And you would be shocked how many content marketing engines don't have that through line to what they eventually want to sell. They're just creating content and the format doesn't even matter. Hey, we're doing a podcast. Well, okay, your podcast isn't even talking to your buyer or anybody, the end user of the product or whoever would want. You're not actually helping them do anything. So like, What's the value in that? And I think the other thing too, when you're talking about your subtopics, you can take each one of those subtopics and chew on that over and over and over again, right? From different angles, from different built. Like I do that with distribution and repurposing all the time. It's like, okay, we're just going to take this little bit of it, channels. We're going to talk about how to do channels, right? And how to pick your right channels. All right, down here, we're going to talk about repurposing and like angles. And we're going to do that. And it's like, you can take those pieces and 
you know, people always ask like, how do you not get bored of talking about what you talk about? It's like, well, A, it's just what I'm passionate about. I feel like I can help content teams and help marketers do it better. But B, when you understand sort of limitless possibilities within that little two lane or, you know, two bucket area, it makes it a whole lot more fun because it doesn't make it feel so daunting. Right. I think of um, David C. Baker wrote a book called The Business of Expertise. And in it, he talks about like when you actually have expertise on something, and even if we stretch this analogy a little bit and just say you have a perspective on something, once you start diving in, you realize that the water is a lot deeper than you think it is. For us, like the B2B Power Hour side is currently driving towards either purchasing a course or uh, joining a waitlist for this uh, subscription we're launching. And the profile component, really, we have a seven steps in our seller's guide to LinkedIn on like what makes a great profile. Each step is worth a year's worth of content. Like there, <laughs> like I cannot emphasize enough how much mileage we can get out of each one of those. Like writing a good headline on LinkedIn when you're a seller or writing a good about section. Sure, we could do an episode on it, but really there's like four different ways we could tackle that topic that then get dripped out as a an article or a short video or a podcast, you know, however the distribution cycle works. And we get a lot more mileage out of just one thing we created once and we just continue talking about it in different ways to your point. So the ocean can be quite deep in those lanes. Now we're mixing analogies. I don't know how I feel about that. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) The underwater highway. So I'm curious, right? Like, And I love hearing that you've built, because like you said, you hadn't told me that you were sort of building out that sort of distribution plan. And I talk about that all the time too, like even writing down, you know, what I would call like an MVP distribution, like a minimal viable, like plan for your distribution of what you're going to do is so key because you just knowing, you know, when you go to create this podcast to be able to go in that plan and understand Okay. Yep. Podcast. Is there a live this time? Yes. No. Okay. Nope. Not on this one. Is there YouTube? Yes. There's YouTube. Okay. We got to do this and this. And oh, is there? Yeah. Oh, yep. We're going to two written content and it's this and this. It makes such a big difference. And I don't know the answer to this, but do you guys write down those subtopic ideas coming out of it inside that document? Like, do you have that stuff broken down at that level? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's brilliant. Because for us, like, so I think we sort of, Where we're at today, if I had to describe, if you think of like a timeline from today being deciding to create content and then there's content, you know, being produced and then there's content that has been produced. So I think we've definitely gotten to the point where we have structure for any future content we're producing or the content that we are creating. So yes, to your point, when we create our little distribution brief, it's like, here's the title of an article we're going to go with. Here's the YouTube shorts we're going to pull out or the idea of what we want to make sure we cover in those YouTube shorts. And sometimes it doesn't happen until after we record, right? Like sometimes it's a little bit of post work. We don't try and plan out everything, but at least we know one thing that has helped me a lot is that because there are so many directions to go on a particular topic, knowing, for example, that an email briefing will be how sellers should balance the personal and professional on LinkedIn means that in this episode, we should probably talk about personal and professional on LinkedIn. And so there's also that discipline that comes out of the kind of content that you're creating so you know you can distribute it. And that has been huge for us because 
I mean, you know, we're a live show. Come on, we're just having some fun. It was public therapy. And like, we talked about whatever we wanted to talk about. And sometimes we got really disciplined. But now it's like, okay, we know we want to get mileage in this way. So we need to make sure we talk about these things. Instead of a post-talk thing where it's like, oh, we talked about these things. So what can we actually, then there's more time. It's like, oh God, okay, what actually was really good in the show or what was actually really useful? And then having to comb through a video file or whatever to really pull that out. Now it's like we're preparing ourselves for success. I think where we're still working on is leveraging our existing content. And it is a mountain of content, Justin. I mean, you know. 168 episodes or whatever. Totally. That's a lot of hours of footage. And I think I've taken the principle to eat an elephant one bite at a time. You know, like, hey, I remember this episode was really good. Send it off to our video editors. Find what you can. Let's use it. And check. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Or let's make sure to grab this particular thing. That's been the hard work. I will say, I don't think I've mentioned this to you, The thing that we're most excited about is a new kind of podcast format we're working on. We have a couple episodes in process right now, but it's a repurposed podcast episode of podcast episodes. (laughs) So we're not just like republishing them. We're still playing with how this will work. It's not done in B2B all that much, but when you go to more like news sites or NPR, they'll do this a lot. And the essential idea is that we're doing something that could eventually get published as video, but is audio for now. And we are crafting a narrative on a particular topic. So one of the things we've covered extensively is discovery skills. I think we actually have six or seven episodes with different guests on discovery. So the idea is, okay, let's go, I've already done this, you know, scrape those episodes. What are some good tidbits? from those episodes, good sound bites, and then craft sort of a scripted YouTube video, more or less, but a scripted podcast episode where I'm able to introduce the topic, bring in sound bites, talk about different things, and then have that as sort of a quote-unquote power play episode, since we are the power hour, of all of the best takeaways from this archive. And it's not just like republishing something. I think republishing is fine, but we were starting to get creative because it's like we've had dialogue with dozens of people on a particular topic. How can we repurpose the archive in more than just video clips? And I was like, let's do another podcast episode. I don't know. (laughs) It's fun. Are you putting that back into your original feed or did you guys branch off and are you putting that into a a different thing altogether? Uh, The first one's not live yet, but we will be publishing it in our original feed. So it sort of begins to stack on top of itself in ways. And down the line, what we're hoping to really do, we need, we're working on getting some video support for this, is to make that into a full video experience as well, which is sort of repurposing the same idea onto YouTube. I don't think we'll do the full 50-minute videos or however long they end up on YouTube. I mean, we could. I don't know. You say that now. (laughs) I say that now. Yeah. uh (laughs) We probably will end up doing that. So we'll see. I love that because it's like repurposing at its best to me, which is taking stuff you already have and reshaping it into something new. It's like the classic recycle kind of version of that versus just... And like you said, you could easily... Take those older episodes and repost them into the feed and, you know, get value. But I love the idea of in any company, you don't have to have a podcast to do this because after a while you start talking about the same things over and over, right? Like discoverability or whatever. Like, so what are those seven things you have sitting in the bank 
that you can retake and reformat and reshape and just reword to come out with something new. I used to do this all the time with like lead gen back when it was like, we have to create some lead gen stuff. It was like, Oh, okay. Like I've got this video over here where we interviewed somebody. I can pull quotes from that. I got this blog post over here. That is, you know, a listicle. I can pull some stuff from that. This little how to, and you can frame it up into this nice packaged thing without having to spend hours and hours trying to create something quote unquote new that is really a, a mindset shift that I, I've been starting to realize even for myself is like the difference between macro repurposing and micro repurposing. Yeah. Whereas like macro repurposing is what we talked about earlier with like the ideas. So you're going to repurpose these four themes in different ways. I'm going to take this and turn it into a video series. I'm going to take this and also turn it into a podcast or we're going to write blogs. And the micro is what typically people think about, which is I'm going to take this podcast episode and turn it into clips. And both things are valuable, but like being able to do both in tandem and then mix those things around, that's when you can really start getting a lot of traction without having to create all the time and leave yourself stuck on the hamster wheel. Right. Well, and especially our format for the episodes have been guests and, you know, mostly guests. There's stuff with Nick and I that's a good chunk of time too. But for the stuff with guests, there's really only so many ways somebody can talk about something. <laughs> like ultimately, there's like a, a sort of linguistic exhaustion. Like there's only so many ways to talk about a particular topic. Like, and sure, you can get creative and all the right. But basically, you're going to come back to like four or five things that people say about whatever. And my thought is, and what we've been working on is, well, why don't we just find ways to reuse those same four or five ways that people talk about things. Like one of the big learnings, I think, especially in this redistribution effort has been there's actually not all that big of a universe in the ways that we want to talk about a particular sales topic or a particular social selling topic. Like there's variations on it, but the ultimate widest of wide field barely gets you any further than what, especially in our instance, what we've already discussed right? Like we have discussed almost everything under the sun that we want to. And for us, I think redistributing or recycling, repurposing all of the ways that guests have already talked about it, that have informed the ways we talk about it in future episodes, and then inform the ways we still talk about it today. Like it's so much easier to just combine that instead of having to come up with some new, innovative, creative way to talk about something that everybody only really comes back to four or five essential ways that they discuss it. I think that's so good because it's also better for the audience. It's actually kind of unnerving sometimes when you just get used to how somebody's doing something and then they shift it to a new format or they shift it to a new or like a new framework or a new this or a new that. And you're like, I just learned the old one. Like I just got on the train with how we do this over here. And now you're trying to tell me to do this. I think like story brand is such a great example of this where like, you know, Donald Miller and the story brand team have been talking about the seven step framework for the last seven, eight years, officially, probably, since he started doing that. And it's funny because I've gotten most of the books that they've written since then. And I think every single one of them touches on StoryBrand. And he just released one that's like for small businesses in particular. But it's funny because in it, he's like, yes, I've talked about StoryBrand before. I think this is the best summation of 
how I'm talking about it that I've done. And it's better than even in the book I did. But it's funny because he probably only has gotten to that point by talking about the frameworks, talking about how to do it, talking about story, how to do all that stuff. It's not like he went off and tried to find a completely different way of doing this. He stuck to what he knew. I think that's a really interesting insight and something we've, I would describe, largely stumbled into. Uh, It was not intentional, but I think there's a big, for us, there's a big difference between experimentation and creation. Like, we can experiment with the way we would train a particular topic. Like, it, it just by matter of fact, when we get hired in to do, I don't know, social selling training for a company, we are probably going to talk about something in some similar ways, but also every trainer likes to say, oh, is this going to work today? And so we've done that before. And that's fine, right? That's fine to be in a room with a new sales team and say, hey, I'm going to talk about momentum in this particular way. And here's how you do your numbers and then see how it lands. And maybe it lands and maybe it doesn't, right? I think the thing we've largely stumbled into is that there's a big difference between experimenting on a core concept and then just creating entirely new ways to talk about the same concept. True. Yes. It's not that you're not talking about momentum. You're just talking about momentum in a different way. It's like, huh, I wonder if this particular little tweak is going to work better. It's the same. It's I, I feel that way with social content. hundred percent. I'm just going to tweak this on how I say this. And it's like, does it make a difference? Yes, exactly. Core concept's still there. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, makes total sense. So, yeah, no, this has been awesome. Um, great to chat. I'm even honestly, like like you said, like there's some things that you guys have been jamming on that I, that I am super happy to hear uh, in a lot of ways. I'm curious, though, you know, you shifted two points left here and that will take off. You've shifted how you're creating content. I'm curious, has the amount of time you've spent creating content changed in any way? Or are you able to do things differently now than you were before? Like, can you talk through that a little bit? Yeah, I think there's been a few benefits. Overall, I would describe the time as like roughly the same, maybe a little less. But the ways that we've been using that time is very, very different. One benefit of it has been we've been doing shorter podcast conversations. We've sort of been doing this series called By Invitation. It's just getting released right now. And we'll be reusing those interviews in those PowerPlay episodes. So we're really dialing in on a specific topic that then we know we're going to reuse later. And for us, now we can batch, right? Previously, it was scheduling (laughs) nightmare fuel, trying to coordinate, you know, 12 people across four live shows in a given week. And sometimes it was 10 a.m., sometimes it was 9 a.m., you know, you never know. So we don't have to play any of that ball game anymore. It's like, look, I'm available these times. Find a time, you know, sometime in the future. Let's get you on the show. So a lot less time on guest coordination. In terms of the content redistribution side, I think some of it has been passed on to external contractors, like I had mentioned. I would say we probably spent some more time in the writing review process than we did previously, just because that is a new channel for us, being able to repurpose these insights into written articles or takeaways. So that's definitely some more time than previous. But in a given week, there's, I wouldn't describe it as like a much heavier lift or even heavier at all. It's probably around the same amount of time we were previously spending. But now instead of trying to spin up, I don't know, a couple live shows a week and some LinkedIn posts, it's let's do, let's make sure we have a backlog for a weekly podcast episode. And then that gets turned into eight, 12-ish pieces of content down the road, plus organic social. I'm not even sort of including LinkedIn on that. 
and you know that ahead of time. You're able to actually be strategic and think about what those other things are coming off of this. Yeah, the thing we're still trying to get really good at is like the planning cycle, like the live show planning cycle, we got really good at because we got, we had to be super disciplined on it. And I think this time it's a different production cycle. So we're still growing into how to accurately plan for all of this distribution because it's like additional time to sort of, hey, does this, we're going to package this together this way. Does all of these assets make sense? All the rest of that. So, but yeah, around the same time, much larger return on effort. Love that. Love that. And then speaking of those returns, like one of the new things you're doing is creating written versions of this content. So it's not just living. You know, I was looking at this before the show. Like, I love what you guys did with the B2B Power Hour website and how it's all scannable and searchable and being able to do that. And one of the reasons why I enjoy that so much is because now you're not forcing your audience into a particular type of content, you're allowing them to choose. And that's why I think podcasts are so, I mean, I've talked about this before on the show, but that's why I think podcasts is so powerful because you get audio, you get video, you get, you know, text that you can create off of it. It's such a powerful medium that then I don't have to force my audience to be like, you must show up live on Fridays at 11 to get this content. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you do that, it's almost like going back to a television model of, hey, the sitcom starts at eight on Thursday, be there or tape it on your VHS or you'll never see it again. (laughs) There's definitely some pros and cons to the having done, I think, something like 100 total live shows. Like there's definitely some pros and cons to live events. There is the live experience, which is why everybody's fascinated by it. But having gone through it, I'm definitely more in agreement with you. Like, I think everybody loves it the first 15 times you do it. And then it does not uh, stay with you as sort of how I feel about it. (laughs) So I'm interested as we wrap up here, you've really changed how you're doing your content strategy. And and I think like, honestly, it just makes me smile to like hear you talk about like, yeah, we're doing distribution first. We're thinking about all those stuff that's playing ahead because And seeing the results, right, that you're able to actually like, like you said, we're not necessarily spending less time, but it's just more efficient. You're getting more return on that investment. You're getting more ROI. This is the stuff I see with all the the companies that I work with that actually sit down and audit what they're doing and take a step back and are like, oh man, we're, you know, we could be way more efficient than we are. But I'm curious, like, and I know it's early, but what are some of the returns that you guys have been seeing with your content? I don't know if there's anything specific or you could share, but I think it'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, we're sort of new to this ballgame, I think. I'm excited to see how some of the short-form video content goes, just because those channels are really active anymore, particularly as it relates to like podcast downloads. But with this new site, I mean, and then the distribution focus on the new site, like we've I think I was looking at Google Search Console the other day. We've just been able to something like a 4x increase in impressions and not quite that much in terms of clicks, but pretty close overall on some key. That'll work. Yeah, that'll work. (laughs) I'm down for that. You know, if you think about it, Justin, some of our podcast episodes, we've worked with the contractor for much longer show notes and others sort of have our traditional templated format that we just use for the live show because that was good enough at the time. So we're gradually working on adding some more and more over time. And a lot of that from an SEO perspective is just exposure on some pretty niche keywords, right? There's not a lot of people searching for 
LinkedIn prospecting. Like that's a pretty low volume keyword, but we're getting a lot of volume off of it because we have a ton of episodes that talk about LinkedIn prospecting. Isn't that funny though? Like you spent all this time creating content that wasn't really like thought of to be searchable or in that way, but now you're able to actually repurpose that and repackage it into a spot that is. And now, whereas you were creating demand around prospecting, you're now able to turn back around and start capturing that demand. And again, using your existing content, like this is what I think is the groundbreaking thing for people, especially if you have a bank of content that you're using, you already probably have some sort of authority in those spaces, some way, shape or form, even if Google doesn't necessarily see you as that authority. I don't know this answer, but I would bet you could probably, if you have videos around that, do something similar and cut those for YouTube and then get similar results. I think you're right. <laughs> That's the funny. I think you're right. Because for us, a lot of it has been just breathing new life into content that already exists. Like we know the search on podcast apps is not great. It's just not superb way to find shows. So this is opening up an entirely new channel, technically probably three channels between video and search and a couple others to bring people into this asset that we've already created. Like we're not doing that much more work, honestly, Justin. Like it's just like, oh, well, <laughs> let's make sure we we distribute it, huh? <laughs> that's what honestly, that's what I like to hear. That's when I think about like my core philosophies, it's simplicity and it's like ease of creation and like a set like the whole like essentialism greg mccowan like that like breathed into content marketing is how i want to do content like i want to be efficient with what i'm doing i want to be able to get the most bang for the buck for the stuff that we're creating but what i do not want to do is spend my time like running some sort of rat race hamster wheel whatever rodent analogy you can put together <laughs> i do not want to be that rodent i do not want to like i've lived that life same and it just feels like a never ending nightmare when honestly when you like getting 4x returns on content that was existing like Typically, people don't think about repurposing as like the sexiest thing in content marketing or like distribution as like this really cool thing you should be doing. But if you created a new a new piece of content that was four xing results that you had before, that's all you would talk about. It's like, how do we do more of that? And that's really the light bulb moment for me when I started to see these realizations. It's like, oh, we can get faster results by just amplifying the stuff we already have. Exactly. I think the last thought on this has been, we really have returned to a few core themes in the B2B Power Hour, as we talked about messaging discipline. And amongst friends and family and peers and influencers, et cetera, on LinkedIn, like we're very well known for, oh, they talk about social selling and kind of some sales stuff, right? For us, that has been hard won through live shows and so forth. And now a lot of it is done asynchronously because here's this new asset that people can go and search and go, holy hell, they're, you know, on the podcast page, you can keep on clicking on that social selling tag and you're going to find a lot of different episodes on a lot of different things. And that's just a new way to introduce people to this, the same stuff that already exists. So it's like messaging discipline in just a different way. And that has, that has been to our benefit for sure. And I'm seeing that with other companies I'm working with too, like the really smart ones who have content, have a pretty good bank of content are starting to do that. It's 
it sounds so simple, but just breathing new life into the stuff and just repackaging it. Like one company I'm working with, they're taking all of their like really good resources that are like driving the most results for them. And they're just bringing them up in the navigation and like so simple packaging them together as like an asset to skim through sort of like you're and it's like, man, that is such a low hanging fruit to be able to grab and to take versus like, what's this brand, you know, we've all been in the the initiatives of like, what's the brand new thing that we can do for Q3 that's going to drive results and da, 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 da. It's like, well, you could do that, but like, or you could start taking the stuff that we already, like I think you said, you already have a foothold in. So when you start to talk about that and redistribute that back in the marketplace, it just fits like a glove. Like, oh, that makes total sense. I know this is what Morgan talks about. Awesome. Totally. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been amazing. I'm looking at my countdown timer and we might make it an hour. I'm just going to keep talking here so that I can also have a B2B power hour show, Morgan. Uh, <laughs> Love it. This is the format I'm most used to. So boom, uh, we, we made this an hour depending on any edits. Uh, if it gets under an hour, you can blame me in, in the post editing. But I've been super pumped to have you on, like loved hearing your story. Hopefully it's helpful for other folks. I think it will be. And just uh, being able to honestly rethink about how you're doing content marketing in 2023. It's a huge push here. And I think you're showing that A, you can do it and B, you can be successful with it. Thanks so much. It's been great to be on the show. And hopefully, yeah, this has illuminated some alternatives for folks, especially for podcast content. Definitely. Definitely. Awesome, Morgan. Thanks for being on and uh, we'll chat soon. Thanks, Justin. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Distribution First. And thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so, so much. And I hope you're able to apply what you learned in this episode one way or another into your content strategy as well. Speaking of strategy, we have a lot of things going on this year that are going to help you build your brand, 10x your content and transform the way you do content marketing. Make sure to subscribe to the show and sign up for my newsletter at justinsimon.co so you don't miss a thing. I look forward to serving you in the next episode as well. And until then, take care and I'll see you next time.